Well, we are in the middle of a study on 1 John, uh, looking at it through a lens of what does it say about being a genuine Christian. And we uh, noted in the last couple of weeks that there are three tests in the book of 1 John, uh, tests that help us to look at ourselves, examine ourselves to see if we truly are in the faith, as Paul encouraged the Corinthians. Test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. A couple of weeks ago, we looked at the test of obedience. Uh, a genuine Christian is someone who, who uh, obeys the, God's commands. It doesn't mean we do it perfectly, but, but we, uh, we have a heart to obey the Lord. Uh, last week, we touched a little bit on this second test, which is the test of love. Those who are genuine Christians their lives are marked by love for God and love for others. And we're going to delve into that in a deeper way today. We're going to look at 1 John 2, 7 through 11. And then we're going to skip down to, to, verse, uh, to chapter 3, verses 11 through 18. 1 uh, John says more about this test, about the love test, than the other two tests. So we need to pay attention of course, always pay attention to God's word, but uh, to love. And, and, and really, it is the need of, of our day in these times in which we live where there's so much hatred and animosity between people. How can we as Christians make a difference in our world? I think love would, would go a long way to seeing that happen. So let us hear God's word, God's holy, inspired, infallible, and inerrant word. Beloved, I'm writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. And then down chapter 3, verse 11. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know, love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. May God bless the reading and hearing of his holy word to us this morning. Well, one of the main objections to Christianity that you hear in our day and time is that, that there are many who profess to be Christians, but they're some of the most unloving people that you will ever meet. Many a person has been turned away from church because of the treatment they have received by so-called Christians. Well, John says in these words to us this morning that this should never be the case. A person who claims to be a Christian but does not love is quite frankly, in John's words, a liar. 
He's lying to himself. He's fooling himself. And sadly, he is lying to others as well. But he's probably not fooling them because they see him for who he really is. Well, this is a a really simple uh, idea we're looking at today that we ought to have love. We ought to love one another. And uh, John talks about it in three categories that I want to look, look at today. First, he talks about it in the category of old and new, and then in light and dark, and then life and death. Well, he begins the passage of uh, chapter 2, verse 7, with talking about an old commandment and a new commandment. And, of course, the commandment is the same commandment. It's the commandment to love. And it's kind of strange because he says it's an old commandment that he's writing, not a new commandment. And then he turns around and says, well, it's a new commandment that I'm writing to you. How can a commandment be new and old at the same time? Well, the commandment, of course, as I said, is the command to love. And he mentions that in verse 10. Well, early, early in the Old Testament, you see the, the, that it is written that the two greatest commandments are what? First, to love God with all your heart, soul, and strength. And secondly, to love your neighbor as yourself. So very early in the Old Testament, we have that commandment. So the commandment to love is obviously an old commandment. It's, uh, it's the, the great commandment, the second great commandment. And it has always been so. And also, it would have been some of the first instructions that these uh, recipients of this letter would have received once they became Christians, once they embraced Christianity. Loving uh, others is a basic Christian tenet, of course. So it's an old commandment. So why does he say it's a new commandment? Why does he say that? How is it a new commandment? Verse 8 says... It's a new commandment, you know, at the same time as it's an old commandment, it's a new commandment that I'm writing to you. And he says, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. And that gives us a clue to what he means by this being a new commandment. Because in Jesus Christ's birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension we have the highest expression of sacrificial love the the world will ever see. Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, the Son of God, took on human flesh and came. And he, he, he had the life of a servant. He laid down his life, every moment of it, for sinners such as we are, such as you and such as me. So we have here in, in Jesus Christ a uh, uh, this example of love uh, on display in the world. And we looked at that last week in chapter 4, that we, this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us, that he came to earth and laid down his life, a propitiation for the sins uh, of his people. So this command, though it's always been in full force with Christ coming, it has such a, a new luster, a new shine, a new brilliance and glory about it that it's difficult to call it anything but new. We have a, a, a new and greater demonstration of it than ever. So it was love demonstrated to enemies to turn them into friends and to restore them to the glory of their humanity. One of my favorite hymns, 
Uh, I want it sung at my funeral. Uh, my song is love unknown. And it says this, My song is love unknown. My Savior's love to me. Love to the loveless shown that they might lovely be. Love to the loveless shown that they might lovely be. And Samuel Crossman, the author of the hymn, asks, Oh, who am I that for my sake my Lord should take frail flesh and die? So we have a new commandment to love, like Christ loved, with all the brilliance and glory of Christ's love for us. Love to those who are unlovely. Love to those who are rejected. Love to those who are enemies. That's what Christ calls us to. Well, I find it encouraging that these people to whom John was writing needed to have this repeated to them. Uh, and, and he repeats it a lot in 1 John. Because just like them, we know our love for others grows cold. We have a, a selfish tendency to protect ourselves and to not, uh, not be put out by others. And that's what love calls us to. These people were human like we are, and they needed a reminder. Our love, our love needs to be warmed. And hopefully, as we contemplate these verses coming up, our hearts will be warmed. Because he, he moves to the second category, light and dark in verse 9. Whoever says he in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness, but whoever loves his brother is abiding in the light. So in order to know if we pass the test of love, we must ask ourselves if we love our brothers, right? Sure. Who are our brothers? Well, I believe he's writing to the church here. Of course, he's writing to a group of believers. So brothers are those fellow believers in the church. It includes sisters as well. Of course, he is addressing the love within a congregation. And of course, we know from the teaching from other places in Scripture that that love is not just reserved for the church, but uh, we should uh, love our neighbors as well. You think of the parable of the Good Samaritan. Uh, love must go beyond the borders of the church out into the world to those who are next to us. So especially, yes, we should love one another in the church, but also love our neighbors as well. And like I mentioned before, it, it's sad and a great stumbling block to many people outside the church that so many churches are very cold places at best and can sometimes have so-called Christians in it that are some of the most hateful people on earth. And John says that should never be. Now what does it mean to love someone or to hate someone? He uses those terms here as he talks about light and darkness. Uh, love, and I've given you a quote on the front of the bulletin. J.I. Packer said, Love is both the desire and effort to make another person great. Great in the context must be interpreted biblically, meaning it is the, the desire and effort to make the other person everything God intends for him or her to be. M. Scott Peck says, The will to extend oneself for the purpose of nurturing another's spiritual growth. Love is not primarily a feeling by which we are overwhelmed, which is sadly what most people think today. The desire to love is not itself love, Instead, love is as love does. Love is an act of the will, namely both an intention and an action. So we need to be intentional in our love for others, intentional and active in reaching out to others and, and trying to see that they 
uh, flourish, that they do well in their lives, that they, that they uh, meet uh, all that the Bible has for them, that, that that is true in their lives. And that's what we're, that's our goal in, in love. 1 Corinthians 13, of course, is uh, the famous love chapter. Love is patient and kind, and it certainly calls for patience and kindness when you, when you start trying to love others. Love does not envy or boast. It's not about it yourself. It's not arrogant or rude. It doesn't insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. So we're called to love one another, which means we are to serve one another, bear one another's burdens, forgive one another, confess our sins to one another, instruct one another, encourage one another, comfort one another. And that's what it looks like to abide in the light, as he says. If we love, we are abiding in the light. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. God is love, and when we abide in light, we're abiding in love, and we're abiding in God. But verse 11 says, whoever hates his brother is in the darkness. Now, hate uh, is, is often, you know, we, we think of the, that as the opposite of love. If love is the commitment, Tim Keller says, action and self-sacrifice necessary to make people great and build them up into everything God intends for them to be, then hate is the desire and action to hurt, tear down, and destroy others. Hate is negative. It seeks other people's harm, even to the point of murder. In its more subtle forms, it can manifest itself as wanting to make others feel inferior or it may take the shape of just plain indifference. And that probably is what we're most guilty of. So don't simply think of hate as anger and malice. That's certainly true. But the more subtle and common form of hate is apathy. So if you're apathetic about someone, it just means you don't care at all. And if we don't care, then we don't love. Now, is there any more hateful thing to do to someone than to simply ignore them and ask and act as if they are not important at all? That's pretty hateful. And people tend to be, in our culture, really passive-aggressive about their hate, you know, unless you're online. You know, then there's keyboard warriors that will tell you everything that's on their mind you know, because they can hide behind their anonymity. But when we're in public and when we're face-to-face, our indifference is really hate towards other people. So we can be very nice moral people, but filled with hatred of this kind. And we can go through our lives not the least bit concerned about others, except this, the other that's ourself. And if apathy characterizes you, then John is saying you're not a Christian. He says, in fact, verses 10 through 11, that you don't know where you're going. The darkness has blinded your eyes. You're like a blind man uh, in, a, in a dark room. And he doesn't know where the furniture is. And he's bound to stumble over it. If we hate our brother, we're not perceptive. And what are we not perceptive of? What can we not see? And what we can't see is the gracious love of God demonstrated to us in Jesus Christ. That's what we've forgotten if we are indifferent, apathetic, or outright hateful towards others. 
We looked at this pers- uh, this, these verses last week. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. So you must bear a family resemblance. If you are born again, if you are born of God, you must bear the family resemblance, and God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. See, what Jesus did was he took an interest in us. He didn't ignore us. He wasn't apathetic towards us, even though we were his enemies. But he set his own comfort and glory aside, and he came to earth as a servant. And he suffered on our behalf so that we might live through him. And that really is what we want to see others enjoy. Life. How can they flourish in their lives? And that's the question we need to ask if we're going to love someone. How can we help them live as God intended them to live? And if we love others in this way, then it proves that we have experienced that love of God in Christ Jesus. Now we can love others out of false motives, bad motives, selfish motives. That's certainly true. But if we are grasping, apprehending the love of God that we have in Christ Jesus, then then naturally what should flow over is a love for others. The same love with which we've been loved should overflow into others' lives. Now, if we find ourselves sitting here going, well, I'm, I'm just a hateful person. I'm not very loving, and, and I'm self-centered, and, and you're recognizing that, that uh, you fall short in this area, well, the, the answer is not to try harder, though you need to make some effort in this thing. But the first step is to have a deeper apprehension of what Christ has done for you, to understand and grasp and by faith appropriate what Christ has done for you in his life and death and resurrection. And then as you experience God's grace and forgiveness and mercy all anew, anew, then that will overflow uh, from your life into the lives of others. So darkness and light. We want to abide in the light. So we must love. And in order to, to love in that way, we must go to the light. And that is Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. Now, thirdly and finally, we have the, the, this category of death and life. He opens up uh, in, in chapter 3, verse 12. We shouldn't be like Cain. Yes, that's right. We, you know, Cain was a murderer. Uh, he murdered his brother Abel, and, and he did it not because Abel was a bad guy, but because he was. He was evil, and his brother was righteous, and he was jealous, and so he murdered his brother. That jealousy lay behind his hatred. And, and John says the world is this way. The world, uh, Cain is a picture of the world. The world sees Christians, and, and they should see loving Christians, righteous Christians, and, and the way to be a righteous Christian is to be a loving Christian. Those things go hand in hand. If we would fulfill the law and be righteous, then it must be done in love. The first four commandments are all about how do we love God? 
The second six are all about how do we love others. So love and righteousness hang together. Cain was unrighteous. Cain is a picture of the world. And when we live in love like this, the world will hate us because we are loving and because we are righteous. In verse 14, he says, We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. See, becoming a Christian is a resurrection. You've been brought from, from spiritual death into eternal life. And see, when you experience that resurrection, that newness of life, being a new creature in Christ, then love is the surest test of of that having happened to you. It should overflow as you've experienced God's redeeming love. And in verse 15, he just repeats, uh, everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, in fact. And that's, of course, Jesus' teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. Even if you hate someone in your heart, you've committed murder in your heart. And that echoes Jesus' teaching here. And then verse 16 gets us to the how-to. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. Now, we'll probably not be called to actually lay down our lives for anyone. That's not common, though it does happen sometimes, and some people rise to that occasion and, and actually die for another person. But more likely, more likely the death that we will be called to die in order to love others is death to self death to selfishness, death to our laziness, death to our apathy, death to the attitude that we want to be served rather than to serve, death to self-centeredness, death to convenience, death to comfort. Because when we really uh, get down to showing some, some real love to others, it requires a sacrifice of time, a sacrifice of of energy, emotional energy, physical energy. Uh, It requires uh, a sacrifice sometimes of money. These are are tangible ways that we we love. Cooking meals, cleaning up, listening to someone, spending time with that lonely person. And sometimes those people who are lonely are, are the most difficult because they're lonely because nobody wants to to hear their problems. But to truly love, it, it, remi- it requires some sacrifice, just like Christ sacrificed for us. He didn't have to do that for us, but he went, th- he went to the greatest lengths ever gone to show love. And it's a very small thing for us to do the same. He concludes by saying, Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. You know, we... We like to say, oh, we love everybody, but do we really? You know, we can, we, can, we can broaden it out and be general about it. Well, I'm a Christian and I, and I love everyone. C.S. Lewis wrote, it's easier to be enthusiastic about humanity with a capital H than it is to love individual men and women, especially those who are uninteresting, exasperating, depraved, or otherwise unattractive. Loving everybody in general may be an excuse for loving nobody in particular. So think about that person in your life that needs your love and remind yourself of how much you've been loved by Christ. 
If you're a true, genuine believer, your heart will go out to them. And you will think, maybe, how can I show love? How can I help them flourish in their lives? It certainly won't be easy, probably, but that's what a genuine believer does. We love as Christ loved us. May the Lord give us grace to not just love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we we pray that we would have a greater grasp of your great love for us today. Uh, Lord, to remember how unlovely we are uh, without you intervening in our lives, sinners, rebellious. Father, we thank you that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And Lord, we pray that we would not just hoard that treasure of love in our lives, but that we would that it would overflow and that we would reach out to those around us with, with love, with service. We pray that that would become a hallmark of this church and of your people, uh, wherever they may be. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.